Are you a restaurateur, a chef, a passionate food entrepreneur? Turning your passion into a successful business takes great partnerships. Tune into Cisco's Virtual Kitchen every Tuesday and Thursday on Facebook Live for the people, the products, the solutions that will inspire your success. Or follow us on YouTube at Cisco Canada. Welcome to Table Talk, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the dynamic and exciting restaurant world. We sit down with industry leaders as they share best practices, highlight smart solutions, and discuss strategies for growth, ultimately helping food service operators learn how to affect positive change and grow their business. Now, here is your host, editor and publisher of Food Service and Hospitality Magazine, Rosanna Kyra. Morning. I'm pleased to welcome Dominic Pernucci, president of Pizza Nova, to the Table Talk podcast. Dominic grew up in the pizza business as his father, Sam, started the company 56 years ago with his three brothers, Mike, Vince, and Joe, while they were all in their 20s. Their very first location was at Kennedy Road and Lawrence Avenue in Toronto's East End. Today, as president of the company, Dominic leads a company that is quite different from those early days growing from that single unit to a portfolio of more than 150 locations in Ontario. In addition to being the face of Pizza Nova and the voice behind it, Dominic is also uh, the lead on uh, Pizza Nova's charitable initiatives, including Variety Village, Village Charities, and many more to list. He's won many awards in his career. And in 2018, Dominic was also inducted into the Scarborough Walk of Fame. So good morning, Dominic, and uh, welcome to Table Talk. Good morning, Rosanna. Pleasure to be here. And nice to see you because we can see yes, each other. Yes, it's nice to see each other, although um, not live these days, but still nice to see a face. Yes, sure. So Dominic, um, I thought we'd start off today just talking a little bit about your interesting background and how you got into the family business many, many years ago. Um, as I mentioned, I know your dad was part of the, um, the early days of the company, starting the company with his brothers, and, and today you're president. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the business. I'm sure that's quite an interesting story. Uh, yes, it was way back when, uh, when I was 14 years old. You know, we were, we're all, and we still are, partners of the CNE, and the CNE, um, you know, it was a summer job and we've, um, you know, I worked at the CNE when I was 14 years old and started working in the, the back of the house, if you will, with uh, starting to wash dishes. And that was my role as a, a dishwasher. And uh, from there, uh, we basically went to the restaurants. Uh, we had also full service restaurants at the time and started out as a dishwasher there. So I can tell you that I've learned how to wash dishes very, very <laughs> well from back then. And uh, I'm still a mean dishwasher, if you can say that. Uh, I can really do it. I can really clean pots and sinks and so on and so forth. But anyways. I'm sure uh, your wife there, really likes that part yeah, of it. Yeah, of course. Help her in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I, that's one, you know, it's funny that sometimes that's one thing, one job that I don't mind doing. It just, I guess it just brings a little bit of uh, serenity, I guess, at the time, because you just concentrate on, on doing that and you're not thinking about other things. But uh, then from that point on, I just moved on and uh, worked as a line cook, learned the menu, the recipes, uh, to pizza maker, 
to managing the store, uh, waiting on tables. You know, I've, I've kind of I've done it all. And then working at the, from the head office point of view, support office point of view, we run our own distribution center, worked in the distribution center, sat on the trucks and delivered product to our locations. Uh, and then, you know, done many other different tasks in our office as in marketing and purchasing and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I've had a, a very well-rounded type of career working my way up to the presidency. And, you know, it, it really helps knowing all these positions, what we've been through and, or how do you go through it? And so it's, it's, um, you know, gives you perspective when, when you're talking to to your staff or you're in a meeting or whatever the case may be. I mean, you know, I always use the line, you know, we should, you know, somebody will say, look, we should try this, we should try this and so on and so forth. And I said, yeah, that's great. I mean, it sounds like a great thing, but can it work on, on at our stores at six o'clock on a Friday evening? Because that's our busiest time. If it, if it disturbs the flow, then... I don't know if we should be able to do that. I don't know if that's a great idea to do. If it doesn't disturb the flow and it's a great addition, then let's 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 explore it a little bit more and let's and, and maybe we go for it. So it gives you that perspective because I think it, it's you need to understand the perspective of what our staff on the line at that point, you know, trying to get out a product within the next half an hour, 40 minutes. And you know, it's it's important to understand what that person goes through and the stress of trying to produce for the customer. So really, um, <clears throat> excuse me, having that, you know, from the ground up experience has given you insight into each of those jobs. So you're not really far removed in your ivory tower, not really understanding what everybody's doing. So that's <laughs> gotta be, that's gotta be a really big help in understanding the business, I would, I would imagine. Oh, hundred uh, percent. You know, it's definitely on, uh, you understand the entire business, even on an operational level, even at a franchisee level, because I've managed the locations as well. So I understand what their issues may be from staffing or or whatever the case may be. Um, so it, it does uh, uh, it does help. I, I don't sit in an ivory tower, but it's. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know you don't. <laughs> uh, we're, we're very, yeah, <laughs> but it's. Uh, you know, we're a very hands-on operations type of company that uh, really strongly believe in the in giving out that premium product to our customers. Wonderful. So I mentioned in my uh, in my introduction of you that you have 150 units now. Let's talk a little bit about uh, those units and what they represent. Um, some of them are, I guess, in different kinds of locations, and um, and mostly in Ontario. So let's talk a little bit about uh, those locations. Um, you know, we have uh, traditional style locations, which are you know, 142, 43 of them, uh, which is a takeout delivery. Uh, we do have some seating in some locations, uh, not serviced, but, uh, you know, you know, pick up your slice and you can sit down and, and, and eat it in the, in the uh, restaurant. Um, and then there's the non-traditionals, which are like the food courts, uh, uh, Rogers Center and so on and so forth. So uh, those are the type of locations we have, we currently have. And, um, you know, everybody's open now. 
and Rogers Center was open up until <laughs> just this weekend. So uh, unfortunately, they didn't make the playoffs. So now we're back yeah. to uh, that becomes a very season. That's seasonal, obviously. Sure. And, and Dominic, all of your units are in Ontario. And um, has that been something that's been very deliberate? You have you looked at outside the province in terms of expansion, or is that something that really doesn't uh, interest you for whatever reason? Um, no, it's not that it doesn't interest us. I think it's, uh, we're still, we live in the market, we play in the market where it's the largest, you know, Southern Ontario is the largest market in Canada uh, by far. And we don't, um, we don't service every area. So there's a lot of areas that we still uh, continue to grow in and, uh, and, and, and bring our product to different areas of our, of our province. So uh, is there a time where we will move on to a different province? I, I can see that in the future. Uh, I just don't know when. And it's finding also the right uh, you know, partners to, to move on to different provinces and different urban areas that uh, we, would, we would explore. So you, you mentioned that there's still room in Ontario for you to grow and expand. And so your concept isn't saturated. You still have a lot of possibilities within this province. Hundred percent. Yes, there is. I mean, the southern Ontario, like I said, it's it's you know it's got I don't know, maybe eight to ten million people, and uh, there's many areas where we are not in. Uh, we we're as far north as Huntsville. Uh, we've expanded to Collingwood this past year, uh, to and 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 down south, right to the lake, right downtown Toronto, and to the east, it's Belleville, and to the west would be Hamilton. Uh, London type of, if you, if you get what I'm trying to say here. And there's still <laughs> spots in, the, in those areas where we're not, where we're, we're not servicing or uh, that we are servicing that there's still more room to grow. For, for example, London, Hamilton, we have a number of locations, but there's still room to grow as the city grows. And as, um, you know, there continue to new builds of homes and condos. So there, there's, more people coming into that market that we you know, we still feel that there's room for us to continue to grow and then and then outside and then start to move out a little bit outside those areas as well. Mm -hmm. And and most of your growth has come through the franchising arena. Um, yes. Can you tell me how many of those 150 units are franchised as opposed to corporate owned? And do you have also multi-unit uh, franchisees where more than one um, franchisee owns different concepts. Uh, okay, well, uh, regarding the multi uh, multi location type of uh, franchisee, we do have a few of them, but not uh, not that they have different concepts. It's just uh, they'll have two or three locations. Uh, I think one of couple of our franchisees own three, and there's mm -hmm. a number of them that own two, and. Um, so it's, um, and then the majority are single operator franchise. Uh, we, we run two locations as corporately. One of them is a, a location where we do a lot of our training out of. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll train our, our new franchisees if we, if we wanna bring in existing franchisees to do some training. Um, all our staff from our support office does their training there. Uh, even if, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll train, even if you're not, going to be in operations and you're new to our company you'll go and, and train for a couple of days at our at our location to just so to understand the mm -hmm. other side of our business 
So everybody in our organization understands what happens at the location, what happens at, at the franchisee level, if you will. Um, it's kind of get that knowledge, like, you know, like I said, that I have, that I grew up through it. It's not that you're going to gain all that knowledge in a day of or course. two, but at least have an appreciation for what's happening. Uh, so that's what we use one of our locations for. And the other locations is, let's say, it's, a, it's, it's a, another brand that we have or a combination brand uh, that we've just been you know, playing with for the last couple of years or so. And, uh, you know, because of the pandemic, things obviously have changed drastically in, in, in for everybody, not just us. For sure. And you mentioned earlier your distribution. You have a distribution center. Can you um, maybe tell us a little bit about how that works for you? Sure. Uh, we, have, we have a distribution and commissary. Our commissary is the uh, facility where we manufacture all our dough for the pizza, for all our, for all our locations. Uh, mm -hmm. The reason why we chose to do that is uh, because we can control the, the, and the consistency of, of our dough product. We can allow all our locations to make their own dough, but if you ever bake the cake, this is the analogy that I use. You know, I remember, you know, my mom or my aunt or somebody would say, you know, I used, I just baked the cake. I did everything the same as last time, but it, it's not the same. Of course, it's not the same because the environment's not the same, the, the temperature, uh, when you put in the, the ingredients, at what point, what temperature was the oven, was it exactly the same when you put it in or not? So there's a lot of different uh, in factors that change the, 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 the consistency. Yeah, the consistency. So we have a temperature controlled facility that you know every dough is made the same at all times. So we have consistency throughout our, lo our locations and our customers know what they're getting every single time and, and not uh, saying, well, the dough wasn't right today, the dough was okay yesterday or whatever the case may be. In our distribution center, we distribute all our, all our products to our locations uh, from you know everything. I mean, fresh vegetables to canned goods to frozen goods, uh, meats, vegetables, everything, dairy. Yeah. Uh, so we have uh, five uh, trailers on the road every six days a week. They're out there uh, delivering to all our to all our locations. We deliver to our locations twice and three times a week. So depending on the size of the location, uh, some locations are you know very tight, especially the, a little bit of the older ones that we've had. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in downtown, it's, it's hard to to store a lot of product for the mm -hmm. entire week. So we'll, we'll deliver twice or three times a week to them. And it's in uh, this way that, you know, from a fresh vegetable point of view, they're getting fresh vegetables twice a week. Mm -hmm. uh, so the product is fresh in that sense. And, and uh, you know, we, um, so we've been running that for quite, quite some, from day one, from what I recall. Uh, and, um, you know, and then we also have our own call center as, you know, a lot of people know, uh, and, uh, yeah, and that uh, works well for people remembering one number to call. And today it's not just the number, it's the app and it's the website and online ordering and so on. And third party too today. So, Yeah, there's so much more in it than when your dad started the company, isn't there? Yes. Wow, different world. Um, so I guess, we, you know, it's hard to have any conversation these days without touching on COVID. And even though, you know, we're in a better situation today than when I spoke to you earlier this year when things were just horrible, um, the pandemic has really changed every business out there for every single operator. I don't think anybody has been spared. 
How has it changed business for you specifically at Pizza Nova? Um, keeping in mind that obviously pizza was maybe a little bit insulated because you were still able to deliver, which was a, a great thing. But how did it change it for you? Yeah, 100% that, you know, we were lucky. And I say that, I mean, I knock on wood, and knock on my head. <laughs> uh, you know, we were deemed essential because uh, we're takeout and delivery. And, you know, thank God for that uh, because that helped us, I mean, at least bring in some dollars and able to, to try to pay her some of our bills. And, you know, I know the restaurant industry was devastated. And I know a lot of friends in the industry that I know personally that, you know, it's been devastating for them. But I mean, so we've been lucky enough, the pizza business has been lucky enough. That, and if you notice that in the restaurant business, uh, a lot of them tried to shift to, to, to take out and delivery. And a lot of, a lot of them have added pizza. Because pizza is a product that can travel uh, and it's, it's proven, right? I mean, it's, it's 50, 60, 70 years that people have been getting uh, pizza delivered or whatever the case is. So uh, how it changed us? Well, you know, at the beginning, because we're franchise based, we, if you think of really think about what franchise business is about, it's a collection, in our case, a collection of small business operators under one banner mm -hmm. you know, you know, our franchisee has poured his his you know his lifelong earnings into into a franchise and to work and to be out there and and try to make something out of out of uh, 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 you know out of a little business and so are they hit hard yes um, and we had to help them i mean when it when we first hit that march 2020 now um you know, we didn't know where the bottom was. I mean, it just stopped and just fell, fell, fell all the way down. And we were down, you know, good 40, 50% at a lot of our locations. And, you know, so as a company, how do we, you know, there was no, at the time, there wasn't, there wasn't all the, um, the government. Uh, subsidies. Uh, subsidies, that's it. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> the government subsidies right away. So, what did we do? Well, we we helped out our franchisees. We went with, we took off, uh, went to zero percent royalties, free royalties, and we didn't defer it. I mean, mm -hmm. we just said no, it's it's free. Don't worry about it. But we can't continue on that way as well because now that's course. our that's that's our income. That's the only income that we get. So um, you know, we did it for three four weeks, and then we slowly brought back the percentage every couple of weeks. We raised it, you know, a percent. And it took mm -hmm. us about three months to get back to the percent that we, we charge, uh, except for a few other locations. Uh, there was locations that are in the employment areas, as in the downtown core, mm -hmm. and even employment areas like in Mississauga, where there'd be lots of factories and plants. I mean, it's an employment area. So those stores, those locations, those franchisees still experience a uh, decrease in sales from uh, two years ago and we still have to help and so we continue to help them in different ways you know with royalties with mm -hmm. rent it, although there's the subsidies it's still not enough for some of these locations of and because downtown core they pay the highest rent out of all our locations so their rent is not cheap so they need a, sometimes a little bit extra help and so i mean 
as a lot of their stores started to slowly get back sales over time, some of these stores didn't really get back that that sales. Now, today, it's starting, we'll see some action now a little bit, but still not everybody's back to work in the, in the downtown core for argument's sake. And it may be a few more months of that, right? It may be a few more months. It may be another year or a year and a half, I mean, till, or two, until everybody's back to work. Right. Because they're talking about staggered uh, work days and so on and so forth. So it, it really it really remains to be seen. But I mean, so we'll, we'll you know, We'll, we'll continue to help our franchisees. It's one of our core values. Family is one of our core values. That's what our company has been based on. And, you know, when in need, you got to help each other. And right. Ross, they would be, you know, I mean, like I said, they're small business. So Ross, they'd be going under and handing back the keys. And then we have an, another issue. And it's another worse. And it's yeah. worse. So we're fortunate enough to, to be able to help them. And, and, and continue on and you know everybody here at our office knows that i mean that's what we we're here to do is try to help you know it's not only them that you're helping out it's also their staff right they're able to continue to employ people although there's you know employment issues today with uh, staffing levels but at least we're still having people employed and and, and able to bring a, uh some uh you know a check home and able to put food on the table for their families so, so obviously, um, the pandemic has hit from the business part of it, but also when you look at your business and what it offers, did it force you to change the types of products that you were introducing? I mean, obviously, pizza is a staple, and that's the core business for you. But I, I recall in the early days that you started putting a marketplace together as well. What other kinds of uh, revenue streams did you have to introduce to just keep things moving along? I think the uh, we call it the grocery mercato. Uh, what you're referring to is is that came out of uh, you know uh, I mean I think it just came out of uh, what's happening in the in the marketplace and that's what we kind of looked at because the supermarkets were so busy uh, and you know and we weren't the only ones. Uh, I'm not going to take complete credit for this, but you see what it was was transpiring in in the industry while. Well, how do we move some of the product that we have in our kitchens? And that was a way. And we, when we did our fresh vegetables and, and some of our Gucci products that we have, mm-hmm. we have uh, oils and, and hot peppers and, and olives and things like that. And it's not that we added um, items to, to, to our list. We, we just offered items that we have in our locations. Uh, I didn't want to make it a complete uh, grocery store because then that's, that's another um, you know, we were still open for business from, from our mm-hmm. point of view. So we, so we, we, we kind of, it's an, it's a, it's an add on item that somebody could add on. They're having their pizza. It's going to get delivered. Well, if you know, they need a, you know, some bread or some tomatoes for argument's sake, you know what, they can add it to their orders and we send it over. So it's, it's a way of increasing that check value for us. Uh, so that's what we, and we still have it, uh, you know, things of not as, you know, as busy as maybe say, you know, eight months ago when things were in the uh, the heat of it all, because sure. now that people are out and about a, a lot more. So, so that revenue stream is still there. Uh, and I think still it's, it's worth it to keep from, uh, from this point of view at this point in time. And uh, because it's, it's, it's an item that we're, 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 it's an extra item that we're delivering. We're already delivering. 
So it's not a big deal. Um, right. From other revenue streams, we really haven't looked at other revenue streams, but we've but we continue to look at different items that we introduced in, to our line, and we can get into that and uh, you know like the plant based and different types mm -hmm. of pizzas. <laughs> So, um, so you're going to keep the market part there for now. Um, yes. Did you look at options like having pizza um, available in groceries for yourself? I know some chains did that, where they introduced their products in a frozen state in grocery stores. Did you consider that? Um, no, not really, because we that was something that was you know brought to us many years ago as well. So it's not something that it's just brand new to us, but uh, what I think our premise of who we are as a company, it's about fresh pizza. And fresh pizza needs to be delivered to when it's placed um, or picked up. Uh, so to have a frozen product, it's not going to do our pizza justice, if you will. And we really believe in the quality of our product and how it's served and how it's placed. And that was something that we didn't really want to get into. Plus, it's also, um, you know, we have to protect our franchisees. Right. And if you, if you start adding this item to a supermarket that's beside a franchise location, you know, he's a good, he may or she may lose that sale because somebody bought it into the into the Makes sense. It could even be additional sales. He may not even lose that sale. It could be additional sales. Um, however, we have to protect our franchisees. When they're down, their sales are down, we need to try to do everything we can to, to get their sales back up. And, and I think that that's, we decided to concentrate on trying to get their sales back up with every initiative that we've done through different marketing. You know, we've changed some of our marketing. I mean, you know, obviously we do a lot of radio. People hear me on the radio. Uh, we never really did a lot of TV. Uh, but during the pandemic, we quickly switched. We, we um, especially the early months, we slowed down the radio because there's not people listening to radio. They're all at home. So we could driving to work. They're not driving to work, right? Yeah. That's right. They're just walking to their desk, <laughs> <laughs> um, or wherever they're working at the home. Uh, so we switched and we did a uh, like CP twenty, like the news stations, like CP twenty four. So right. now, and so we had to switch that, so then people still see us and 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 uh, and go from there. So to to keep our, you know presence in the marketplace and everybody's awareness of we're, we're still here. Right. Sure. And, and from a delivery point of view, obviously you have your own delivery system. So that helps you big time compared to having a third party. Um, do you do any on the third party at all? Or, or yes, we do. You do. Yeah, we do. I mean, uh, prior to the pandemic, we were with uh, Uber and uh, Uber Eats, I should say. And then during the pandemic, I think we signed with Skip and DoorDash. We also had Fedora prior to the pandemic, but as, as we know, Fedora is, is no longer around here. Right. Um, Uber uh, Uber Eats uh, is a you know we had we had been trying it with some of our we and we call it our test locations, and we were able to because you know as you mentioned we have our own delivery network, 
we really wanted to have a different approach with the third-party delivery um, aggregators. And that was that, you know, we don't need your drivers. We have drivers. They're sitting mm -hmm. in our locations. They're waiting for an order. Let's, let's work out a deal where you supply us the order and we'll deliver. Oh, this okay. Way, yeah, so this way they don't have to worry about sending somebody over as well. And, and that's what we were accomplished to do. And we, we were one of the first companies to do that with Uber Eats. And then slowly we started working with Skip the Dishes and uh, DoorDash in, those, in that same capacity. And it's worked out well because, you know, I don't want, you know, we were like, you know, we have a driver, it's our own network. And then somebody else is going to come in, pick up the order and deliver. Well, right. our drivers are going to say, well, you know, I'm here for what then, right? So it's, it's actually worked out well for us in that sense. So we were able to uh, work out a different deal uh, other than the regular deals that they had uh, with restaurants that were paying 25, 30%. And how, what percentage of that would, would uh, work for you through those third party? How much business would you get through that? Um, we're just looking at it the other day as well. And it, it, right now we're about eight, 9%. Okay. Third party orders. Interesting. And yeah, it is because we, we, we took the initiative and, and really studied it and said, you know, if somebody is on Uber Eats or wherever, one of the third party aggregators, and they're scrolling and looking for what they're going to eat tonight or this afternoon. And they said, okay, you know what? I want pizza. They're not going to leave. I don't think they're going to leave the app to go and go onto my app or go and call us at that point. So as they're scrolling, they say, oh, you know what? Here's pizza. Let's just order pizza. And it's our same customer. Right. So, um, and, and our customers have said that. Sometimes they've ordered from us. I said, why? Well, because they've just been scrolling and then this. And it's and more convenient it, sometimes, more, right? That's right. It's just more convenient. So, so we we took that approach and uh, and that's why we're we're with them and uh, you know but I mean there's I'd love for everybody to everybody would say right they love to order direct to to us but of course because it's still a cost but uh, but I mean it's uh, it's still business and uh, as I said you know many years ago it was just a, a call center or a call directly to the store today there's many different points of ordering your product. You know, there's the call center still where you pick up the phone and call. There's the app, our own app, our own web online, now third party, which we are with three different third parties. So that's six or seven different points of ways of ordering Pizza Nova Pizza. Makes it a little bit more complicated for you, though, in terms of managing all those distribution points, right? 100% does, yeah. It's in, you know, more reporting and, and you know, trying to manage and see where everything is and where it's coming from and um, what issues you may have through different different ways right I mean it's all different things that can can, can happen um, so I mean, are you yeah. happy with uh, with your app and how it works for you I mean is there anything you would want to do differently on that yes definitely uh, our app is, is is a first generation app that we've had for a number of years now, probably seven or eight years, maybe even longer. And um, we're, we've been trying to, uh, you know, come out with a, a new a new app, an app 2.0, if you will, 
and with that would would have loyalty on it because we don't have loyalty on our app we were working with a a company a while back and we we had to part ways because we were just getting to where we wanted to be so now we're just in the process of looking for uh, another company we're just in talks with uh, several companies right now to see which which were which company we will award that to and uh, once we do that we'll we'll obviously it take that doesn't happen in a month or two I wish it does <laughs> take several time. months yeah. yeah it takes several months maybe even a year um, and then we'll what we'll do is we'll we're trying to combine it with a relaunch of our website as well and include loyalty and uh, you know because you you need to um, you know the customer experience is huge and I've always my, my thing is about human to human interactions we're in the restaurant business whether it's takeout and delivery, we're still in the restaurant business. We're here to service people. People are calling for food. And you there's got to be some sort of human human interactions. Although there's the internet of things where we have the web and the app. So those, the web and app, what I'm getting at is that the customer experience has to, has to be well thought out and it's got to be pleasant as well to get through that. If the customer is not happy with their steps that they have to go through, you may lose a customer to a competitor. And we haven't even talked to them. So it's changing. It's got to be fluid, right? It's got to work seamlessly and you can't have any hiccups. And I know a lot of companies these days prefer to focus on all the technology end and sometimes at the expense of the regular phone call where somebody just wants to put up an order in through the phone and you get all these barriers. So it's got to be tough to manage all of those different touch points. Um, but it's, it's very important, obviously. So it needs to be done. Yeah, it's it's very important because, you know, as I said, we're a premium product and we want to give premium service as well. And that touch point, whether it's somebody orders on the web or app, at some point in that transaction, there's going to be a human being there. Whether it's a delivery and our driver's at their door or they're coming in to pick up the order. So we still have to ensure that our service levels give the best experience possible. And, and with delivery now, Dominic, I know there's been contactless delivery and you know the onus on having the pizza, in your case, that's sealed so you know it hasn't been tampered with and they just drop it at your door and they leave without um, you know, basically handing you the pizza. Do you think that will remain a constant for your company moving forward even after we get out of the pandemic? Yes. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that have, uh, got came accustomed to because of the, the third-party aggregators, Uber Eats and Skip Edition and so on, that that's, that's their, their method of business, um, method of payment, because you can't pay cash at the door with any of those. That's right. So, so though the people that are on these third-party aggregators are people that accept that, and they're fine with it. You know, we all talk about our own kids that are, you know, oh, just just order our Eats, don't worry about be here, whatever, and and they're and they and they're accustomed to it, and they're and they're okay with it. So, as as we grow and as time goes by, I think it's going to be more and more of that where uh, people will want to pre. It's basically prepaying your order. Uh, you know, years ago, prepay an order. Are you crazy, right? I mean, now it's yeah, it's no problem at all. It's accepted. So um, definitely that'll be part of our um, 
it is part of our app now and our website. Uh, but but that I think that'll increase over time because just to, as the younger generation um, over time will they'll they'll do more and more of it, and then their kids and they'll do more and more of it. So it, it's just a it's it's a, it becomes a transitional period. How long it'll take? I, I, I mean, but we can see it that more and more every single day that we have sales through the technology aspect instead of the actual direct call. Makes sense. So let's shift a little bit to food trends. Um, obviously, as a restaurant operator, food trends is always the key, the key tr- you know, thing everybody wants to know about. What's the new thing? How is it different? What's changing? What can we expect? Um, your company has obviously gone through some transitions on that end. And I know you've um, introduced a lot more plant-based dining into your operation. Uh, tell me about how that's going along and, uh, and what kind of new things you're working on that you can share with us. Sure. Uh, plant-based is a, an item where, you know, if you go back prior to the pandemic, probably four, three, four years ago, maybe even longer, where the burger chains really were the ones that started uh, with this, with the um, different types of uh, veggie burgers. Veggie burgers, right. And, and then it took time to, uh, to come up with different products from a manufacturer's point of processor's point of view for different restaurants or, or you know, places like us, pizza places. Uh, so we, we've been working with, uh, so we were working with several, we were trying, you know, many different products prior to the pandemic. Uh, so we were still always in the midst of trying to find out, trying to get a plant-based product. And <clears throat> I think we took the, the initiative that one of our toppings, which is pepperoni, is the number one topping in our uh, Pizza Nova. It's, it's the number one topping in probably in North America, uh, pepperoni. So we, we, we took the initiative saying, well, we want a pepperoni product. And that's, you know, let's start there. Because we can do a, a vegetarian pizza. We can do a easy. vegan pizza. Yeah. It's easy, right? We have vegetables. <laughs> Uh, and you don't you put it we add dairy-free cheese to our, we already had dairy-free cheese on our on our menu so you could do that but you know there's the the growing aspect of the plant-based or the vegan eating of more proteins so that's why we, we looked at the protein of, of the pepperoni and we worked i mean it took us time to uh, probably close to a year working with yeah. our partner uh we work we work with field roast Mm-hmm. And uh, you know to to really come up with a pepperoni product that we we were liking, uh, that would be a premium product again, because our customer understand who Pizza Nova is. You 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 order from Pizza Nova, your expectations are a little bit different, and you, you want to you want a better tasting product. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's what that's why it took us some time to, to to get there, and we did that. We launched it in January. We had a fantastic launch. Uh, it's going great. We've had nothing but I mean positive, a lot of positive uh, feedback. And over that time, we started you know trying to see what can we do for a chicken, like a chicken bite or a chicken wing, if you will. Uh, right. Chicken wing is not, I mean, obviously it's very difficult to do a chicken wing. Uh, so a chicken bite is the, is the, is the natural uh, mm-hmm. progression of that. So we can have a pizza and bite special, if you will. 
Yeah, so we worked with our partners again, and we just launched uh, a few weeks ago now our, our plant-based chicken bite. And it's when I try it, the, that the, I've tried many products up until that time. Of course. A lot of the products I, I tried it, uh, you know, with all due respect to anybody, I mean, it wasn't very, I, I didn't find it very good, if you will. Uh, but when we tried this, finally, this other product that we took some time to develop, from our processor's point of view, uh, it's bang on. I mean, we couldn't taste the difference. <laughs> I say taste the difference. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we could really tell that what was chicken, what wasn't the chicken. So it, uh, it, it, it's, it's just uh, amazing where the products come, come how they've come uh, over time, what they've been able to, how they've been able to develop. And there's a lot of people that, you know, for whatever reason, uh, they don't want to eat meat today anymore. And, you know, they, but they still want their protein somehow. And uh, that this is the way. And I believe that, you know, I don't believe in, you know, I, I know you said trends and, and I hate, it's not that I hate, I hate strong. Like word. Word, I dislike yeah. the word trend because it's yeah. in and out. That's right. Uh, I'd, ra I'd rather say it's a more of a shift in the marketplace. Where these items, I don't think they're going to come in. They're not. Going, they're not going to go away soon. They're going to be here for a while. They're going to be here for good because there's a lot of people that really are are trying to stay away from the meat products for whatever reason. Whether it's a it's a choice, whether it's dietary, what makes them feel better, whatever the case is, it doesn't matter. We we are here to service them. Uh, we are here to service in what we give them in our, from our, from our menu point of view and our menu we've added, you know, 30 years ago, maybe we had 15 toppings on, on our list of choices. Today we have over 30 toppings and we're, as, as time goes by, you add items that people are, you know, changing tastes. You know, I even, I even uh, credit the food networks. I mean, in people today, understand food a lot more than they did 40 50 years ago because sure. we've been educated by the food network at home every single day so Very true. i think yeah so i think it's uh i think we have to adapt if we want to you know you, you mentioned we're 56 years old 57 years old um we need to adapt to stay relevant in the marketplace and if that means we need to change a little bit uh, or evolve it's probably more involvement i think that's we need to do that and we're open to that and if we're not open to change and involvement we're going to get stuck behind and uh, and then and, and organizations will pass you by and and then you don't become relevant in the marketplace anymore and i think it's it's important that we stay relevant in the marketplace and understand what's out there look at the trends look at the shifts in the marketplace look at what's happening across the world look at what's happening in your backyard understand what's happening and you've done a very good job of that. As you said, with your choice of options on pizza, it always amazes me how much choice you do provide, um, which is wonderful. And now having all these plant-based options is, is great. I assume also, I believe you have a gluten-free option that exists yes, as well. Does that yeah, still do well? Oh, yeah, it does very well. The sales are still, still uh, you know, uh, doing very well with it. There are a lot of people that, now, again, now it could be dietary, they could be celiac where they, mm -hmm. they can't have any gluten, or there's a, a customer that every once in a while wants to, wants to change. And they're, 
and they're doing they're eating in moderation so it's not always the same and we, we also have a charcoal infused yes oak. i remember that and you know and that was you know it came out uh you know here you go you know talk about a trend because it kind of came out and you had ice cream you had all different things that uh you know different items different uh, food items that came out with charcoal and they're still out there but i it's it's another it's another choice because what the charcoal infused dough or charcoal infused products do they're very light and easier to digest so if you have a digestive um problem or issue or whatever that that helps you digest something that you love the product you want to continue to eat the product but able to eat it and and not hurt you in any way so when i look at pizza it amazes me i mean it's such a simple product and as an italian person um, background obviously you know we've been exposed to it forever but when you look at it it still continues to grow on a daily basis in terms of the popularity the different options do you see what? What do you see as the next step in the evolution of pizza? Um, I mean, do you see any other areas that could be tapped into? Um, I think, yeah, there, I think there's different. You know, listen. I mean, we've had pizza for pizza takeout for our type of pizza, which works very well. Uh, and then all of a sudden, in the last ten years, you have the big boom of the the Neapolitan style pizzas, which are very good when you eat them in the location at the restaurant. Uh, my, my, in my opinion, it doesn't travel as well as, as, as our, our, our product or, you know, companies like myself, uh, ourselves. Um, so there is, is there always something new? Yes. Um, there are Roman style pizzas that are starting to, uh, starting to make wave now uh, we tried a version uh, it was really only available by slice but because of the pandemic we kind of had to retract that because you know right. people are really uh spending time in our location so uh you know because of that we mean we don't want to throw product out for no reason right and so so but we're still working on something and we'll probably come up with something again once things start to to happen a little bit better and more often we'll probably come back come back with some sort of Roma style pizzas again uh, I think there's there there's something there with that it's a different type of crust it's different it's a little bit more crispy mm -hmm. uh, airy and so on and so forth um, so this is why I said that you need to see what's happening transpiring around the world and also the toppings right I mean we're a very multicultural society uh, people like different things on their pizzas and we have to see where uh, what items will stick with us and say in our customers and what they want and what they like. You know, recently we, we introduced uh, our honey stinger pizza. Yes. Which, which we added, all we did was bring in uh, Mike's Hot Honey. Uh, and they're from the U.S. It's a U.S.-based uh, company. And we've seen this several years ago. I've seen it several years ago down in the U.S. But I didn't think it was time at that point to bring it right into into our into our stable of, of options, uh, but then you know, but through the through this past year, we said you know I think it's time now. We need to we need to invigorate our market because everybody's into the pizza, and yeah. we, what do we do that's different? Yes, we did the plant based and that was different, uh, but now we added something to our regular regular lineup with the with the hot honey and it's, and we we make it with our hot sopressata and 
the sun-dried black olives. So you got a little bit of the salty and sweet going on there. And it's just been an amazing uh, take with our customers. It just keeps climbing every day. And everyone that I speak to say, you know what? My new, my new favorite pizza is the honey stinger. So it's been a great combination. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. And I'm not, I'm personally, I'm not a sweet, they don't have a sweet tooth, but you know what? I enjoy having a slice of that as well. So. Well, now that you've made me completely hungry, Dominic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's just shift a little bit before we start wrapping up today. Um, You've done a lot of work on the community front. Um, You know, you're very well known for all of your incredible work on variety and, you know, the Villa Charities and so many others that are so, you know, too many to list. Um, Community has become so much more important today, I think, than ever. And I think the pandemic has even shone the light on that so much more, you know, the importance of building a strong community and supporting it. Um, Talk to us a little bit about those initiatives. And I know they gave you a great big honor this year, earlier this year, um, with renaming um, in your name. So can you maybe speak to that for a few minutes? Sure. Um, You know, every year we did a for variety, the children's charity. Um, we, we, we ran a one day sale uh, with, you know, it's a reduced price product and just walk in and uh, you, you picked up a medium pepperoni pizza for $4.39 plus tax, which ended up just being under $5. And a dollar of that went back to the children. And we did that, you know, last 25 years and even prior myself before I re- reinvigorated that. Uh, my father and his brothers did that as well many, many years ago. So uh, the pandemic hits, you can't have people in your locations. What do we do? Um, speaking with Variety, uh, speaking with uh, their people and saying, you know, we have to postpone or we have to cancel this, this, this event, but we want, still want to do something. And what, because what happened is the governments also slowed down their subsidies to a lot of these charities. So now they're even hurting even more. The, the, the kids that benefited from them are not getting it. The families are, are, are suffering more. Uh, you know, it's just a snowball effect. And so, so the first year, which was last year, 2020, I got on the phone and started talking to my suppliers. Uh, and I know everybody's in a, in a, in a in a difficult situation, and I explained that we're in a difficult situation as well. I said, but there's these kids that need help. And you know what? To my surprise, uh, many of my suppliers pitched in and we were able to um, raise $120,000 for them. Amazing. Yeah, it was just, you know, really, really amazing. And then this year, uh, again, because it's an annual event, and we usually do it in May. We're, and we're like, well, at that point, we're still not sure what was happening with, you know, allowing people in your locations, you know, and then having lineups outside your door and not six feet, uh, people right. not wearing their mask. You know, it, it, it would become a, a, a good deed that would may turn into bad, into bad press. And we didn't really want to do that. It's not worth it. I mean, we're trying to help kids. So mm-hmm. we, 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 we thought about it and we, we, for the month of May, what we did was every, every dip we sold that month, we, instead of a dollar from the pizza, we, we donated back 50 cents to the charity. And 
we, you know, because it's a month long event, we were able to raise a little bit more dollars and we raised over $201,000. Wow. And when we, entered, when, we, when we presented that check in front of, I think we were only 15 people were there because that's the restrictions were, uh, we were all, I mean, they were all surprised. And I, when I, when I said $200,000, I mean, it's just, it's just so, makes you feel so good that you're helping out these, these children with disabilities and, you know, the variety um, organization really helps their focus is on not the disability, on their abilities. They focus on enhancing their abilities and what they can do and how they can help them through their abilities. So that's, this is what really, you know, hits our heart. And at that point, they, um, they had a surprise for us. Yes. Big surprise. <laughs> yeah. Big surprise that uh, they, their board had decided that uh, they were the, the, the lobby area of the, of the uh, Variety Village, uh, they were going to rename it the Pramuchi Pavilion. And fabulous. Yeah, it it was really, really heart wrenching. And, you know, I kind of got emotional too at at that presentation. And, and I think that, you know, that's just, it's not that we're expecting anything. It's not that that's what we're do we do it for? No, we do it out of our own hearts. But to get that acknowledgement and awareness that, you know, We've helped them for so many years uh, they, that they're giving this, they're renaming that lobby area, the Pramuchi Pavilion. We are their, their number one third party um, fundraiser for them. So, um, work. yeah, yeah it's, it is. And it's really touching. They're, now they're in the process of uh, redesigning their, you know, one of the walls for us and they're redoing all that. So hopefully, you know, soon or shortly, they'll have some sort of uh, this winter some sort of uh, unveiling of the Pramuchi Pavilion. And uh, that'll be nice. And hopefully we can have a little bit more people there. Than the that's <laughs> well, congratulations. That's wonderful work and, and very well-deserving. Um, and Dominic, I guess as a way to wrap up, I know life has changed dramatically for everybody in the past uh, 19, 20 months, but have you picked up certain lessons through this time that have helped you in, in your role as president of the company. I know being a leader today is probably more taxing and challenging than ever before. And you have a whole host of new issues to deal with, but any new lessons that have come to the forefront? Uh, yes, uh, as you said, it's more taxing being a leader today. Um, everybody looks up to you and that's what leaders, you know, that's what you're there for, right? You're there to lead and, and to, uh, to you know, guide direction, guide strategies, and so on and so forth. And what we've learned really is one thing is you need to communicate more. Uh, I think uh, I use the word, and I know some other people have used it, but this is what I've used, over-communicate. Uh, because we're not there now, well, now all of a sudden we can't see you. And how do we see you more often? Well, it's hard. I mean, you know, we can do the Zoom thing and you know, everybody's different with Zoom and now they're comfortable. Um, but it's to over-communicate because things change, especially at the beginning, things changed. Not daily, hourly, things were changing. So, you know, you, you would send something out to everybody and all of a sudden later that evening, you're like, well, that was a waste of time because now we have to change it, change, change, change it all over again and, yeah. and instruct. And, and hopefully, you know, not just 
communicate to them, but also getting our, our team to over-communicate as well. Because now you have to bring, I can communicate to, to my people and my people communicate to everybody else because you have to get that down to the, to the level of that, the location and that person serving the customer. So there's a lot. I mean, we have 2,500, 3,000 employees that work for the brand. That's, that's quite, a, quite a challenge. Uh, so that is one big thing that I've, I've really uh, think that has changed us in, in that sense. Also, you know, right from the beginning, you know, I know it was brought up prior to the pandemic, the mental health issues of where, where people stand. And, you, you know, you see it, but you didn't really see it until this happened, in my, from my point of view. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw it the, that week that it happened. I mean, people, everybody was in, in a different state. They didn't know what, what to, what, where they were going, what to do. And you're talking mm-hmm. to people, and you're trying to keep people, you know, at ease and calm. And listen, I'm no, I'm not the one that, um, it's not that I didn't get affected as well. I got affected as well. Listen, I mean, I had my, my issues too. Because sure. you can only go so long, and then there's a time where you you don't want to explode, but you know it affects yeah. you. And and where do you go? And who do you talk to about that as well? Now, if you're the leader, who do you talk to? Right. That's so you right. got to talk to your peers and so on and so forth, and your family and whatever the case is, because it affects you. I mean, I know, and I say this joking, you know, sometimes you know you're at home. Someone says, oh, you need a drink tonight, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? But it's, it is. It's tough for everybody, yeah. It's tough for everybody. And and I've learned this more and more and more now. And I think that it's more prevalent now. And I think we don't know what the outcome of this is going to be moving forward. Because, you know, still people are, have subsidies from their, from the government with certain, you know, certain dollars coming into their pocket because they they can't have a job or whatever the case is. What transpires when that, when that, that fountain shuts off? That's and right. We, we don't know what to expect. Yeah. There's jobs and we're, we're suffering in our industry about jobs because people don't want to come back into our industry. You know, where are they going to go? I mean, they have to get something and they're going to, and, and their minds are going to, who knows what they're thinking. And I think it's important for everybody to talk and to communicate and to talk to whoever. Like, it's not that you have to talk to me, mm-hmm. talk to you, talk to somebody, talk to your close friend, talk to your family, talk to anybody, because we're all in this position and we're all, we're not, we're not, um, I'm, I'm not protected by it at all. I mean, it's, it's it very hits everybody in different yes, ways. It does. it does. And it hits, you know, our, my staff, it's my franchisees, it's their staff, you know, it's my family. So it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's really brought a lot of awareness to myself about that. And, and I think about that a lot. Now. Well, I think it's great that there is that awareness today because it'll allow us to tackle this topic that everybody's kind of shoved in the closet for many, many years. That's right. Um, and, and you talk about staff and I know as an operator and an owner, it's got to be very scary to you to look at this labor shortage and wonder how that's going to impact you moving forward uh, as all operators. So uh, I don't know what you can say about that, but um, how are you feeling about that? 
Well, the only thing I can say about that, I mean, and it's, you know, it's in the paper every single day regarding minimum wage, benefits, this, that, all this kind of different things. And, and I think uh, benefits is, 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 is one answer. Um, and, uh, and we presented benefits to our franchisees several months ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, thank God that this time they're, they're voted for it. And right. so we are moving forward with our, you know, the first step is getting our franchisees with some sort of uh, benefit, health benefit program. And then the next step after that would be adding on to their, you know, their, their key people and their employees and so on and so forth. I think first and foremost, we need to do that. Um, and, you know, I think the, regarding the minimum wage, um, you know, I hear all different types of things that are happening out there in the industry, you know, signing bonuses and so on and yes. so forth. And, you know, you, you, if you last for three months, you get an extra thousand bucks or whatever the case is. I think what's going to happen is that minimum wage from a government's point of view will be at whatever it is. Right now it's 1435. Uh, but I think the average wage in our industry will be higher than the minimum wage than prior to the pandemic. And I think prior to the pandemic, there, yes, there was a lot of minimum wage. And that's what we went by. But I don't think we can go by that any longer. I think that average wage will be higher than the minimum wage. And then it'll take the government time to catch up. Yeah, I think the industry really needs to move fast on those uh, on those issues because it's dire situation as it stands right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of restaurants that I know that are closed, say it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That's right. They can't, they can't find people. I mean, That's right. It's odd. Here, you know, they're finally get to open, but you can only open four days, five days, and maybe only at night because yeah. you can't get people. Exactly. So, so it's, it's a struggle. It still is a struggle. Well, I hope over the next few months, the industry steps up its efforts and, and does the right thing. And, um, you know, this problem will, will be tackled. I know it's not going to be done overnight, no. for sure. It's going to take some time, but hopefully we're on the right steps to doing that. Um, Dominic, I really want to thank you today for being with us. I know you're a very busy person and you've got a lot on your plate. So uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time to spend that with us today. And I wish you all the best in moving forward through this post-pandemic recovery stage whenever that really kicks off. I, I don't know, but, uh, but we don't. good luck. But, you know, and thank you. And one thing I may add is that one thing about our industry is we're resilient. And we will be around, you know, people say, oh, we're going to get, you know, the, the restaurant industry or whatever is going to, I said, there are going to be changes, 100%, uh, as we see every day out there, but we're resilient enough to, to, to come up strong and work because we're not afraid of, of, of that, uh, you know, getting in, in, into the trenches and doing what we have to do. And, and I believe that from, from uh, all right across the board and in our industry will we'll prosper again and hopefully sooner than later. Well, those are great words to end on. So um, again, thank you for your time and your commitment to the industry. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in person sometime soon. Yes, hopefully soon. Maybe, uh, maybe soon. Maybe, who knows? Might never, maybe uh, sooner uh, than you think. Yeah, maybe sooner than we think. So hopefully, thank you again for, uh, for this uh, opportunity today, Rosanna. And I really, really appreciate it. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Take Ciao. care. Bye-bye. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Table Talk Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to rate and review our show. Also, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. 
For additional resources related to today's episode, please visit our website, foodserviceandhospitality.com. Until next time.